Hi, writers. This is Jim Thayer. I'm the author of The Essential Guide to Writing a Novel. The second edition is out now. I'd like to talk in this episode about uh, one of the most important skills of the novelist, of the storyteller. It's a critical skill. Good writers know how to do it. People who aren't writers don't know the skill. Skill is one of the most prominent demarcations between writers and non-writers. And this skill is a lot like singing. Here's the Encyclopedia Britannica. Not much movement of the larynx occurs within a singer's normal range, which is usually about an octave and a third. Beyond that range, either above or below, an element of technical accomplishment sets the professional off from the unschooled amateur. That's the Encyclopedia Britannica about singing. I can, he- I can hear when a singer goes higher or lower than the normal octave in a third, but I don't know anything about what makes that pleasing to the ear. The same is true about writing and this skill. This skill that non-writers aren't generally aware of, though as readers they certainly appreciate it, usually without knowing what the writer is doing. Is it a secret? No, the skill is scene construction. What is a scene? A scene is a unit. If your scenes are related to each other, and if you've put them together, usually in a chronological sequence, you have a novel. Scenes are are beads. Put them together in order, and you have a necklace, your novel. Here is a definition of a scene from Jack Bickham, in his wonderful book, Scene and Structure. This is Jack Pickham. It's a segment of story action written moment by moment without summary presented on stage in the story now. It is not something that goes on inside a character's head. It is physical. It could be put on the theater stage and acted out. End quote. That's Jack Pickham. And that may be the most important two sentences about writing I've ever come across. Every word of it, of those two sentences is important. And we'll return to look at them. What is the vital ingredient of every successful scene? It's conflict. We've already talked about in an earlier episode Uh, that a novel is about conflict. Without conflict, there can be no novel. The same is true of a scene. Each and every scene should contain conflict. Here's Jack Bickham again. Conflict is the heart of a scene, and without it, there can't be one. End quote. That's Jack Bickham. A scene doesn't consist of one character thinking. A good scene can't be made out of mental gyrations alone, reflection and melancholy and sadness or joy or remembering, these internal actions can't add up to a scene, irrespective of how long the character engages in them and how uh, profoundly the character is moved by his own thinking. A scene doesn't take place in the character's mind. A scene is action set out in front of the reader. A, A scene is external, not internal. A scene is an event. Nor does a scene contain only the description of a setting. Uh, For example, a three-page description of a locomotive racing across the countryside, no matter how skillfully set out, isn't a scene. Uh, The Tower of London, 
forbidding and ancient is a tower. It's not a scene. Monet's garden, with its colors and textures, is enchanting and would be highly rewarding if a writer could paint the garden with words. But it isn't a scene. Standing alone, it's only a garden. Successful scenes, even, even ones that at first may seem idyllic, uh, idyllic and slow to the reader, contain conflict. Quote, most often, James Scott Bell says, the best way to create an unforgettable scene is to intensify the clash. Two characters oppose each other. They have the strongest possible reasons to do so. End quote. That's James Scott Bell. Jack Bickham adds, quote, A scene is always a fight in some form, sometimes physical, more often verbal, and always external, acted out and shown. That's Jack Bickham. Another way to look at a scene, each scene contains a goal. The character wants something. In a good scene, he usually doesn't get it. Here's another way to look at it. The character in the scene attempts to reach the goal and is thwarted, which is the conflict. The goal in a scene should be clear to the reader, and most often the writer tells the character no. All novels have a story question. Will the protagonist find happiness? Will the treasure be found? Will the battle be won? Will the doctors find a cure in time? Scenes also have scene questions. A scene that works well raises a question and then resolves the question, usually in the negative, by telling the character no. The novelist Albert Zuckerman puts it this way, quote, Now pull out your own manuscript. Pick out two or three substantial scenes and read them over. Does anything in the text of their first or second pages raise a question that sets up suspense that is then dealt with or resolved in the scene's climax? Does the scene have a climax? If you answer these questions in negative, then get back to work. End quote. That's Albert Zuckerman. Let me read you two pieces that I wrote. One's a scene and one isn't a scene. See if you can tell which is which. Here's the first one. Uh, it's, uh, oh, I don't know, ten sentences long. Monica drove along the highway, the wipers going back and forth. She thought back to last night, to Dan's revelation. She loved Dan, but over the past year he seemed to have grown distant. Once he had been fun, almost jovial. Now he was almost always glum. Once he had been tender toward her, now he seemed hardly to be aware of her, and sometimes seemed startled to find her beside him even though they shared the same home. Monica turned on the radio, looking for music that would rein in her thoughts. It didn't work. Dan had told her he needed surgery. He had discussed the procedure with her, but her mind had closed down with anxiety, and she had only heard parts of it. His heart was failing. He had known about it for a while, but had kept his worries from her. Now she needed to know. The procedure was scheduled for next week. The doctor had told him he had a 50% chance of surviving. His hands were shaking as he told her. She hugged him, but it didn't seem enough. Her car passed several semi-trailers, and she slowed her turn into her sister's neighborhood. Gwen would listen, and she would give good advice. How could Monica best help Dan? Gwen would know. She pulled into the driveway. Is this a scene? No, it's not. It's all 
interior monologue except for a few dr um, instances of driving. There's no goal. There's no conflict. It all happens in Monica's head. This is not a scene. Here's another example. Is this a scene? Jill wore the heavy mask, a welder's mask, but thicker. Her hands were hidden in rubberized gloves. The fluorescent lights in the laboratory were unnaturally bright and reflected off the dozens of metal and glass pieces of equipment. The other doctors had gathered around as close to the plate as they dared. She didn't know whether they hoped for her success or her failure. They wore masks and their expressions were hidden. She gripped the table for a moment to still her trembling hands. She hoped the others hadn't noticed. Then she reached for the left raptor, its application point glowing red. The machine hung above her on a counterbalanced pole. The lephropter hummed evilly. She gingerly touched the handle and brought it down to the plate. The other doctors involuntarily stepped back. She applied the uh, lephropter's point to the murky green mixture on the plate. The machine crackled and fizzled, and the air filled with the scent of ozone. She heard someone gasp, or it might have been her. Two seconds of contact, and then she lifted the lephropter. She blinked. The green murk had vanished entirely. The plate was clean. It's gone, she exulted. We did it. It should have been I did it, but she was charitable. One of the doctors stepped close to wipe a finger across the plate. He held it up and said, It's clean. Nothing remains. Jill lifted the mask and grinned maniacally. She had just proven them wrong. Is this a scene? You bet it is. It's action. It could be acted out on a stage. There are things to watch. There is a goal. Jill wants to have her Lefropter work. And we see the results of her, uh, of her ambition here. It's a scene. Uh, don't look up the word Lefropter. I made it up. It's, I, I was acting like drug companies who have fun putting together a couple of syllables to name a medicine. That's what a Lefropter is. It's a made-up word. Let's do one more. This one is... Uh, shorter. I worked uh, pretty hard on this paragraph, and please notice, I hope, that uh, the, there are some lovely phrases in, in the paragraph. A giant iron-fisted comber delivered a blow to the ship, making the entire hull shudder and almost putting the lee rail into the water. The foaming tumult was aimed at the vessel, ten-foot seas rolling across twelve-foot swells topped by smothering foam. The ship was lost in a primordial vastness, a tiny spot in the trackless water. A sloping mass of water heaved the ship skyward, then it slid off, sliding toward the trough, the bow biting into the sea. Water shot across the deck, ripping away the equipment locker and sending it aft over the rail. The sound was of a locomotive, a relentless grinding roar combined with a hissing shriek. Ropes of foam skimmed along the surface, almost engulfing the ship. It might have been a ghost ship. No sailors could be seen. Is this a scene? I, I hope it's pleasing to hear. Uh, I have some phrases. I probably purloined them from... Patrick O'Brien in his Master and Commander series, which I've read twice, all 18 of them. 
But it's not a scene. It's more of a painting than a scene. Nothing happens. There's no goal. There's something to look at. There's no conflict. There's no resolution. It just sits there. It doesn't meet Jack Bickham's definition of a scene. It sits there like a painting on a wall. Scenes come in a, an enormous variety, of course. The author can use entrancing settings and can introduce well-drawn characters and add snappy dialogue and sharp observations. Uh, we writers can mix it all up in our scenes. But still, a scene that works usually has a logical progression. Here again is Jack Bickham. What is the pattern of a scene? Fundamentally, it is statement of goal, introduction and development of conflict, a failure of the character to reach his goal, a tactical disaster. That's Jack Bickham. A tactical disaster in each scene. At the end of a successful scene, the hero is farther away from his goal, not closer usually. As Jack Bickham says, quote, readers generally find nothing as enthralling as conflict. Most popular novels, for example, are basically the record of a prolonged struggle. End quote. A successful scene almost always leaves unanswered questions. Finding the answers resolves problems. At the end of a scene, things should not have been resolved. As Alice Ord advises, quote, practice ending the chapters and scenes at moments of unanswered questions or unresolved suspense, end quote. We're talking about scene construction, and I want to now discuss maybe the most important technique that you'll learn in, in all of these podcasts, and it's where to begin a scene and where to end it. It's the difference between a chronology and a scene. And the key is begin the scene as late as possible in the chronology and end it as early as possible. Here is the outline of a chronology. It's my thinking about the scene before I actually start writing. The character, our hero, gets out of the taxi. He pays the cab driver, takes the elevator to the 10th floor, says hello to a lady carrying a shopping bag, opens the door to find a body. He rushes in and takes the pulse. No pulse. He searches the apartment. Nobody. The character picks up the telephone to call the police and talks over the phone to the desk sergeant trying to get hold of the homicide detective. He goes to the cabinet for a shot of whiskey to calm his nerves. He sits down on the chair near the sofa to wonder what it all means. This is a chronology. It's not a well-crafted scene. It's helpful to think of a, a chronology as a row of dominoes laid on their ends. The row has ten dominoes. If you push one over, they'll all fall in sequence, each knocking the next one down. A chronology begins at the first domino ends and ends at the last, but usually you don't need all the dominoes for a scene. The first two dominoes and the last two dominoes can almost always be removed from the chronology. They are the setup and the wind down. In the scene, or, or in the outline of the scene, I read a moment ago where the man finds the body. The reader can intuit that the man arrived somehow 
at the building, perhaps in a cab. It doesn't matter. And then he paid the driver. The reader understands that uh, the character somehow got up to the top floor, probably in an elevator. We don't need to see it. Similarly, the reader knows the man is going to have some reaction to finding the body and uh, a need to compose himself and settle down. We don't need to see that either. A person settling down after a shock is almost never of any interest. So when you construct a scene in your mind, the chronological sequence of events that occurs in the scene, you'll probably find you can pare it away at the front and the back. In our scene uh, about finding the body, this scene probably should have began when he opened the door. And the scene probably should have ended when he lifted up the phone. There's no need to hear him talk to the homicide detective. We know what he'll say. There's no, and there's no need to see him uh, having a shot of whiskey to calm down and thinking about what it all means. The reader can intuit that something like that happened. I have recently added a Patreon button to the description of the episodes below. Uh, this podcast about writing is free to listeners, and I'm glad about that. But if you are finding them useful and would like to support the podcast, please consider hitting the support the show link below, and it would be much appreciated. The screenwriter William Goldman, who wrote uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Marathon Man, says the writer should omit the scene's beginnings and ends and jump from middle to middle. Novelist David Morell puts it this way, If your scene is represented by A, B, C, D, A and D are implied, while only B and C are dramatized in the scene. So as the reader goes from scene to scene, she is going from B, C to B, C, not from A, B, C to A, B, C. More often than not, new writers use certain things to set up a scene, such as driving somewhere or walking somewhere or waking up and getting ready for the day, preparing for something, putting on or removing clothing or making dinner. Most often you can skip these and get right to the scene's heart. Instead of driving somewhere, begin the scene as the character arrives. Instead of documenting the character getting ready for the day, begin the scene when the thing occurs that she was getting ready for. Instead of writing about the preparation for something, write about the something. If you begin your novel or if you begin any scene in your novel with something like, she woke up in the morning with the sun streaming through the Venetian blinds, you've killed your chances for publication. This blunder telegraphs to agents and editors that we don't know scene construction. Here's a chronology that begins too early and ends too late. Take a listen and, and uh, think about where the writer should actually begin the scene. Here's the chronology. A. Susan wakes up and makes her bed. B. She prepares breakfast for her daughters, and then her husband cleans the dishes. C. She drives to work, thinking about her day ahead, dreading it, and particularly her boss. D. 
Her boss comes to her cubicle and rudely demands a report the boss thinks is overdue, but which isn't. E. Susan's breathless husband calls to tell her they have just won the mega lottery worth $50 million. F. With great satisfaction, Susan tells her nasty boss she quits. He's dumbfounded. Who will do Susan's work? How can he replace her? She can't quit, he yells. She smiles and walks out. G. She drives home wondering how all that money will change her family's life. H. She pulls into the driveway. Her husband is there, waiting for her, two champagne glasses in hand, a big smile on her face. Uh, that's the end of the chronology. Gee, don't, don't we wish that's how real life worked? Well, if we're extraordinarily lucky, that's how real life works. But that's not how a scene works. Susan waking up in bed and preparing breakfast and driving to work is not is preparation it's it's begun too early this chronology this scene should begin at d when her boss comes to her cubicle and rudely demands a report then in the scene we actually write her husband calls to tell her about the lottery with great satisfaction susan tells her nasty boss she quits and she he yells at her and that's where, uh, and then she walks out. That's where the scene should end. G, where she drives home wondering how things will work out, and H, when she pulls in and, and has her husband there with the champagne, that's, that's the wind down. It's how it might work in real life, but it's of no interest to the reader. The scene should have ended when she walks out triumphantly. A scene should have a forward momentum. How do we get that? We add conflict, and we avoid fill. When the writer pauses in the scene to tell about a character's past at length, forward momentum, forward motion has paused. When we take a moment to describe a setting, the momentum also takes a breather. When the writer stops for a flashback, momentum grinds to a halt. Good novels contain descriptions of settings and some of the characters past, but too much and the story slows. Generally, watching a character do something interesting is the strongest element of moving a story forward. Things like meetings, telephone calls, eating, waiting, remembering, reflecting, stall momentum. When our main character is doing something interesting, usually the writer doesn't need to worry about whether the pace is too slow. We've come to the end of this podcast. Next time we'll talk about the difference between a scene, which we want to write, and a summary, which generally we don't. This is Jim Thayer. Until next time, keep tapping those keys.